everybody. Welcome to another episode of DFV. I am Black Cinephile. I am AKA Brad. That is AKA Brad. And today we got a uh we got an interesting one, man. I'd say this is our our neo-western battle, but this is also this wasn't planned. This is neo-western in the cold. Yes. Hence the hoodie. But uh I'm yeah, from Michigan. These- cold doesn't bother us anyway. Yeah, I mean, hey, man, I'm still from Michigan, too, you know, <laughs> but uh, not just because I it ain't just because I'm a Carolinian now that I'm not still a Michigander. You're like, Anthony, Anthony doesn't go to this school anymore. <laughs> He's one of them now. <laughs> He's somewhere else. He right, left right. us. Right, right. But um, yeah, man, we got two two great neo-westerns here, man. We got a uh, one of them was my favorite film in Sundance. Another one was a. I want to say my first film that I that I saw with Movie Pass. Um, we got T- Taylor Sheridan's Wind River, and we got Julian. Uh, what's his name? We got Julian Higgins' uh, uh, God's Country. Um, yeah, man. Uh, now, for you, was this your first time seeing either of these films? Uh, yeah, this was my first time watching both of these because I didn't catch God's Country during Sundance, and luckily it just started popping up on digital, so I could actually mm-hmm. watch it at home. And then Wind River, I hadn't even heard of prior to you mentioning it for this podcast. Oh wow, wow, yeah, man, two uh, two good, two good uh, options here, man. All oh, right. Yeah. Um, now, which one do you want to start with? Uh, you know what? Since you are the one that had seen both of these prior, uh, which one do you think we should go with? Now, usually, usually we don't do this. Um, let's break them off with a little chronological order today. Okay, so that would put Wind River first. Yeah, we'll do we'll do Wind River first. Um, okay, you you uh you want me to take this over? Uh, you can take this one over. Okay, all right. So Wind River, um, this is a movie that concerns a um, there is a uh, wildlife service tracker played by Jeremy Renner. They live um he lives in Wyoming and he lives uh near an Indian reservation. It's, it's a big Indian community where he lives. Anyway, he's a, he's a tracker. He, he, he tracks in and hunts down animals. That's his, that's his job. Um, one day on the job, he comes across at a frozen corpse of a young Indian woman. And, uh, this is where FBI agent, um, uh, Jane Banner played by Elizabeth Olsen is called in. And pretty much the plot is they're trying to figure out, okay, you know, based off the autopsy, this young woman was raped and she was fleeing somebody. She was she was running through the cold barefoot. This this is cold. This is Wyoming. So they're trying to figure out who was she running from, who was trying to hunt her down, what happened. So that's the bare plot here. But there's a great social political statement being made with this film that I think is genius on how it, it, it says it in the end tagline. This doesn't. I mean, this is a listen, we talk spoilers here, folks, but this doesn't spoil the movie. This part I'm talking about here. But I love how at the tagline it basically tells you there's a demographic for every type of race of 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 a of woman of a woman that goes missing in America, except Native Americans. Yeah. You know, um, and this film kind of makes the point. And I think even the FBI agent uh, Jane says at one point in the movie, like, listen, I'm, I'm somebody that's stationed from Vegas and I'm all you got here to solve this crime because people at the bureau, they're just not going to care about this. They're not going to care about a missing native American woman. Uh, they're not going to care about a dead well, native American. Go ahead. It's also on a reserve as well. So it's outside right. of, you know, their jurisdiction and normal circumstances. So they're not going to by default, send a lot of people there. And another thing is when they recover the body and it goes through the autopsy report, Technically, her death was from the cold, like hypothermia. So legally speaking, the coroner had to put that on the death certificate, even though he knew that this was a homicide case. But because the death certificate didn't say homicide, she couldn't get any backup for this case. So she was there on her own. Yeah, many politics come into play in this film. And I love how it speaks to the film's larger theme of like, the the marginalized voices in fact not even marginalized just taken past the margin not um th- these voices aren't heard these voices of uh 
uh, dead women and, and um, wronged women aren't heard in, in, the, in the eyes of the law. Right. Pretty much. And I, I like how this film sheds a light on that. Dude, when this film first came out, I think I think this was the first movie I used my movie pass on, if I'm not mistaken, because I think they were showing this at a theater that was near me in Westlake, Westlake or Westland um, back when I was in, when I was a Michigander. And the first time I saw it, I um, I think I kind of <laughs> it was the middle of the day. So I think I kind of like I was kind of nodding off while I was watching. It. it was it was a good movie, but I was kind of mm-hmm. nodding off. And um, this being my second time, I, I, I kind of catch more things around this time. This is a very tightly written thriller, dude. Like, I don't want to I want to say not one scene is wasted in, in the film's overall scope. Oh, by no means. Uh, it's also a pretty short movie, too, because it only comes in at about an hour and 40 minutes or so. So it. it Definitely uses the time it has well, and it doesn't overstay its welcome in any scenes, uh, especially when you have a lot of the scenes being tracking with uh, Jeremy mm-hmm. Renner's character kind of going through the snow, uh, taking, you know, the police uh, chief for that area, as well as the FBI agent and whoever else is kind of following them around on uh the journey through the tundra to find clues and information about this. And yeah, it, it doesn't waste time in kind of, you know, trying to build up these characters. We get a little bit of character motivation with uh, Jane as the FBI agent who wants to prove herself and be able to take care of this case and solve it and not let it go to a kind of mystery pool of, well, we don't know and we never will. And right. then you have uh, Jeremy Renner's character, you know, it, having lost a daughter himself, uh, feeling Dude. very connected to the father of this girl that they found. And I, and I love how the film plays with that, too. Like, like Taylor Sheridan, if you know his writing, he is a great writer, dude. Like this guy wrote Sicario, Hell or High Water. He, he co-created Yellowstone in, in a bunch of shows on Paramount Plus. But it's like. He doesn't like exposition, Mm -hmm. so he likes to challenge the narrative to kind of unfold certain development of a character as the film as the film unfolds. So, like, I like how what you mentioned with Jane, where through her, we have a great character motivation and through Corey, Jeremy Renner's character, we have great character development. Mm -hmm. Like in the beginning, we don't know if this man had a daughter. I mean, we, we, we see pictures, but we don't know that's his daughter. We, we, we see pictures of a young girl in his in his um in his ex-wife's house, but we don't know if that's her kid or his kid or whatever. We know that he has a son and we know he feels emotionally attached to this body that he found in the um in, 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 in the snow. We don't know his connection to her until later on in the film. We find out he knows the father of this girl that he found in the snow and that this father knows his pain of losing a daughter and they have that. Oh man, there's that sad moment where where they they kind of embrace each other, and and the cop kind of closes the door on them while he's sobbing like a baby outside. Mm-hmm. Like that's such a char- that's such a great character moment. Oh yeah, like because like I said, as the film unfurls, you learn that something happened to Corey, something similar happened to his daughter. Like, and I like how the film doesn't like it it, it spoon feeds that to you in the most organic way possible. It's like a puzzle that slowly unfurls itself. Uh, as as you pay attention i I like that yeah even at the end when you know he has the one-on-one with uh the father at the end as well Mm -hmm. uh when they're sitting outside and he has his death face on and they they, it's a very nice moment it's uh, beautifully done it's not too wordy it's it's show don't tell in people's emotions you know (laughs) That's the kind of friend you want near you, man. Because when his when his boy says to him, like, "Dude, I gotta go pick my son up from from the prison. Um, could could you just hang with me for a while?" He's like, "I ain't going anywhere, brother." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Man, that's that's an awesome bro moment, dude. Oh, yeah. Like that that brought a smile to my face. I'm like, that's that's a perfect nice ending. You know, it's not happy, but it's it's happy enough. You know what I mean? It's the best ending that these people could have given the circumstances of this movie. Because, yeah, it, it, this movie takes place because, you know, uh, the one person's daughter died. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, it, 
here's the person that found the body. He happens to know the father and he helped bring, I guess, justice in a way. Uh, I, I love oh, yeah, the irony justice. of the justice too. And yeah. yeah, it's, it's such a great way that they kind of track through and everything. Uh, did you want to get to like the climax of the movie, the real climax? Um, no, you talking about the, are you talking about, uh, Leading up to the shootout or like in the snow? Which one are you talking about? Uh, leading up to the shootout. Okay. Yeah. Oh, dude, I love how this film plays with structure, dude. Because the reveal of what happens, it, it, it's, it's cut in so smooth. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, this is the part I was sleep at when I first saw the movie in theaters. When I was watching it right now with fresh eyes, it, it was so smooth, dude. Because, like, I remember I was watching it in theaters, and when I took a nap, I woke up and I said, what is John Bernthal doing in this movie? Right. <laughs> he like, appears wait, wait. out of nowhere. <laughs> right. And I was like, whoa, 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 where did he come from? Now that I'm watching the movie, it, it's still a surprise. But like, I like when he opens the door and you expect to see Elizabeth Olsen. But instead, it's it's, it's the flashback to the night of what happened. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, man, that was, slow, that was smooth. I, 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 uh, and while all this is unfurling, I'm still wondering... What is she going to find it? Like, who's going to open the door if all this is happening now? You know mm. what I'm saying? I'm still thinking about what's happening in the present. And I love that flashback, dude. I like how, um, because from what you hear, like, and this is this is what it means by perception is everything. From what you hear of, like, the brother, the father, they made it seem like the guy was a bad guy. Like, he was a bad uh, American that she was dating. He's really just a war veteran that's, you know, just 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 looking for a new change of pace. You know, they're talking about running away together. Where are they going to go? He, yeah. he comes off like a nice guy. He's a security guard on an oil rig. It's he's right. a fine person. You know, I love that. It's John Bernthal, of all people that right. they had cast in that uh, because he does come off as very intimidating. But at the same time, you yeah. see them together and he's very sweet with her and everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you see them kind of laying in bed together. And then that's when all the other people that work on the oil rig like pop in and they're drunk. And you have the one person, uh, Pete, I think it was, that uh, is just being a complete dick, you mm-hmm. know, because uh, he's like, oh, the one woman in all of here and you're holding her all to yourself. And, right, you know, right. let me get a peek. Come on, let me have a turn. You know, it's it's my time. And, you know, he obviously John Bernthal's character is like, you need to get him out of here, you know, and everybody else is laughing. Right. And he's like, seriously, you need to get him out. And then a fight starts and dude, it, it just is, goes down. That fight was perfectly executed, dude. Like the tension of that whole sequence from the fight to the, to the rape, to the fight again. Mm-hmm. Like, I just love the way that was filmed. Like that was so intense and so fitting of like of like how that can happen in real life, where mm-hmm. where where something goes terribly wrong due to a total douchebag, you know, like feeding into his uh, feeding into a horrible instinct to like um you know like like take a woman's innocence or whatever. Like I like how any situation with a Pete could absolutely go like that, and the film showed that realistically. Right. You know what I mean? And, and it's the fact that everybody else that was in there was like backing up Pete. They went after right. you know John Bernthal's character instead and it's like, hey, you you attacked him. You know, you're you're doing they're, the- call, they're calling her slurs. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it, it's coming out. You know what I'm saying? They're 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 monst- their um inner monster is coming out in the scene. Right. Which is ironic that, you know, when you're talking to the father of her and her brothers and everything, they act like John Bernthal's character is the worst person in the world when referencing right. him. And then it's literally everybody around him is just terrible. It, he himself seems from that scene to be a, a fine person. Now, here's my question, because this might have been something I missed. What did did Jeremy Renner see? Uh, the remains of John Berthold's body in the snow. Like, yes, was that that, that, that was the, the second body the that cage? he found? Oh, no, second body. Oh, Remember okay. the second body where they came on it and there was like the vulture or hawk. Something was kind of pecking away at it. That was, that was him. That, that was, was him. him. Okay, uh, that makes sense now. Yeah, because what he had done is he had tracked the snowmobile trail up to there, 
and right, then right. that's where they found that they dropped the body and then he was following the tracks from there and that's what he was doing while the police were investigating the oil rig where he literally found that the tracks led back to the oil rig where somebody had then gone on foot to come back after dropping off his body and let me say this dude i love how this film holds his hand close to it doesn't play his hand too fast like i love that whole tense standoff at the oil rig where at first and this is why we love uh elizabeth olsen's character she says to the guys like what what happened to your face and the guys are like uh miss if you were out here dealing with high branches you probably get these marks too oh yeah i like i like how graham green's character tries to cut the tension like oh they should give you guys face shields oh yeah they should shouldn't they (laughs) now in the back of your mind you're thinking they could be telling the truth, but maybe they're lying. Yeah, it, you know, it comes as off-putting, but at the same time, he's, like, joking around with them. He's like, yeah, well, you know, we should. I agree, but uh, the people over in Texas where corporate is, they don't believe that we need that here in the cold, you know? <laughs> they don't understand right, right. the snow. and it, It's plausible, but you, you, you kind of let it pass because it's like, well, it is the cold. There are branches. Mm-hmm. It can hit you. Right. It's okay. They're also but, security guards on an oil rig. You know, they're the chance of them being roughed up on a normal day is probably pretty likely already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, possibly so. Um, but it's that it's that gun standoff, like right before the flashback where they both the guy's like, Why are you flanking me? What are you talking about? Why are you flanking me, a hole? And they both pull their guns out. And I like how mm-hmm. it's like what you said, their authority does not the, the police authority does not reach that um it, it, that location that they're at on the oil rig and they're like you have no authority here and they're right now on the other hand jane is the fbi agent she's the one that goes listen i'm above everybody put your guns down mm-hmm. here's one thing i missed that the cop said he looked at her and said you didn't see it you didn't see it what was he talking about uh, the fact that they were like flanking them so oh. it, he was like okay. starting off with going you're surrounding us you right. know and they were playing it off no we're not we're walking what are you doing you know we're, we're just walking not a problem and he's going you're flanking us you know you didn't see it you couldn't tell that that's what they were doing because she's trying to just calm the situation down and Defuse, go Look, right i don't I, I'm not accusing anybody of anything, and he's like, you you literally couldn't see that they're trying to surround us, you know, guns ready and everything. So mm-hmm. uh, that's what he was talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, great standoff, and a great standoff after the flashback, too. Like, uh, I, I like how that standoff is so brutal, but it's, uh, it, it's brutal and tense, but, you know... I just like how it's carried out um, because a lot of guys go down. A lot of them are shot. One guy has a machine gun. I think that's Pete. Oh, all and, of them and, go down in the end. Well, all, well, Jane is down, but Jane still has she's she still got some life in her to like like take a few guys down. Mm. And we got Corey on the other hand, you know, with the rifle. I, I like how um, they're the last two standing in that moment. I just like how this, I like how the, the, the movie plays that out is what I'm saying. Oh, okay, yeah. I like how it's cold and brutal, but, you know, there's still a chance to fight another day. Well, fight fight in the moment right. is what I'm saying. Well, even how it starts and everything like that with uh, her knocking on the door and, you know, saying FBI open up. And then it's, you know, one of the people from the oil rig says, open up the door. The FBI agent is standing right in front of the door right now. And then that's when the police chief, like, catches on. Get out of the way. Yeah. And then by then it's already too late. And you see the shotgun blast right through the door straight at her. Uh, luckily she has bulletproof vest on and everything like that. So she's, you know, she's hurt, but she's, you know, survived it. Yeah. Um, do I got to talk about that moment in the snow? Cause it's just, it's just the perfect ironic end, dude. Now I, I, like you said, now I like how Corey before all of this, when he was speaking to the, um, the dead young woman's father and he was like, uh, he was like, what, what you doing, man? You helping this woman uh, find the guy? He's like, I mean, that's what they want me to do. I'm doing something else. He says, I'm a hunter. He's like, well, you know, you know what to do when you find him. He says, you ain't, you ain't got to say nothing else, bro. 
Like, mm-hmm. like they, they have an understanding. Like, you know, right. I'm, I, I'm not a cop. I'm not going to let him go. Um, and I like how he says to Elizabeth Olsen's character, she says, he says, oh, you got to go get him. He says, if I if I get him, I ain't bringing him back alive. Like, I'm, I'm not saving him. Yeah, he's not coming back with me. Right. She says, I know, I know. So she basically gives him the green light. And I like how, you know, the guy's running for a while. And, you know, uh, Corey catches up, knocks him out. And like where they cut to that moment where Corey basically gets a confession out of him. I mean, we know he did it, mm-hmm. but he wants to hear like, uh, like, dude, you raped her, didn't you? And he was like, he was like, yeah, like, you don't know what it's like out here in the cold and nothing. I hate the cold. I hate the silence. There's no women. And Corey's like, same reason you hate this place. The same reason I love it. You know, I mm-hmm. was raised on the cold and the silence. It, the land is beautiful to Corey. Right. He appreciates it. You know, this guy just takes it for granted. And, you know, he's a monster. He did what he did. And I like how Corey says, you know, that young girl made it 600 miles on foot. She's a warrior. You're not going to make it more than 600 feet. And that's your punishment. You get to run. No Mm -hmm. boots on. Barefoot like her. And we'll see how far you get to the highway. Yeah. In lightweight clothes. You right. get to go the highways that way. Go ahead. If you can make it, you get to live. But you're not uh, going to make it. That was so genius, man. And, and I love how when he's running and you hear the, like little music going and you, you literally see this man freezing a, mm-hmm. as he's falling. Like, I just I love the way that whole sequence was shot. Oh, yeah. It, it wonderfully done to be like, it, you know, that he got his uh, just desserts in the best way possible because he could have easily put a bullet in his head and ended it there. But no, he gave him the moment of, you know, suffering of thinking he might be able to live knowing full well, there's no way. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's, that's pretty much it. Like, you know, he, uh, I think shooting him in the head with that's the easy thing a screenwriter could write. Oh, yeah. But if you want to make the story, if you want to make the takedown of the villain more, more meaningful, that's the kind of ending you write. That's 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 genius. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I like about Jane's character uh, is that uh, she humbles herself as the film goes on. In the beginning, you know, she's the person that's coming. I love the exchange between her and the, um, the officer where she's like, uh, like, hey, uh, you know, uh, let's go see the body, you know, uh, they're like, well, you, you shouldn't go out there with your with your clothes on. You got now. And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm from Vegas. You know, I, you know, so, oh, you're from Vegas. No, I'm stationed in Vegas. Like, I just need to go see him. And they're having that, that little exchange. Like, she's kind of out of her element. She's in a very cold place. She doesn't really know. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, like, she like, has no idea what it's like in the tundra. She has no idea what she's about to be up against. Right, right. She, does, she doesn't know much about our location. And I like how she humbles herself in the moment where she meets the, the dad. And at first he was like, he's like, listen, you know, she met this guy. She, she kind of went off with him. I didn't question her. She's like, why would you let your daughter go off with a guy that you didn't know much about? And I like the exchange between her and him where he's like, uh, well, she's an adult and I respect that. And she was like, well, she's barely an adult. And you know, you you understand her her point of view, but you you it's not she doesn't understand this culture. She doesn't mm-hmm. understand that once somebody is a certain age, they are an adult. So I like how they I like how, I like the bite back he gives her when she's about to go see the mother and the 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 sheriff. I mean, he knows why he shouldn't she shouldn't go in there. He's like he's like Jane. And she was like, oh, am I allowed to go see her? He's like, you're an adult. And then he says, barely. Like, um, I like how when she goes in there and she sees the mother, like, freaking cutting herself just yeah, with with grief that her daughter's gone. Um, and we we learn later her son is like a drug dealer now. She goes in and says, dude, I'm sorry. Because she was out of bounds, you know? Like, we understand she's trying to catch somebody here. But, you know, show respect and understand that, you know, these parents looked at their daughter as an adult. You right. Know? They may not have liked the guy she was dating, but they respected her with her adult decisions. And I like how she changes throughout the film, realizing, okay, I don't know the lay of this land. Let me follow Corey's lead. Mm. Yeah, it's it definitely 
everything about this movie is done very well. Uh, they yeah. have great characterization. There's, you know, a good understanding of like different cultures and aspects of that. There's the different feelings toward, you know, this kind of area where you have the people that are like, oh, this is terrible. It's just the job. And then there's people that are like, this is my life. I like it here. And then there's people that are like, this is my family. This is my land. This is where I belong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's definitely some rich history there. People who love it and people who don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, dude, great acting, great directing, uh, great directing for a directorial debut of um, uh, Sheridan. Uh, great writing, of course, from him. I uh, I, I got to get this a five out of five. Uh, th- this one's a four point five for me. OK, OK. Yeah, it's it's definitely it surprised me uh, by a lot. Uh, kind of walking into it because I hadn't heard anything about this movie. So like coming out of it, I was like, OK, that was a great movie. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's up there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's done very well, man. I I feel like there are no frills to this movie to me. Uh, all right. Uh, ready to move on? Yes. God's Country. So next up, we have the film God's Country from director Julian Higgins, uh, following the story of Sandra, who is a teacher in uh a, another kind of like cold climate area in the middle of nowhere. And she, one day, the movie takes place over the course of a week. On the first day that it takes place, uh, she finds a truck on her property that uh, she didn't give permission to the people to be there. She knows that they're there to hunt, and she doesn't want people hunting on her land because she has a very high respect for nature and the way that everything works out there and the, the beauty of it in her eyes. So... When she leaves a note on their door to say, you know, this is private property. Please do not park here. Uh, She later finds the note kind of crumpled up on the ground with a dead bird next to it. And it it kind of just everything escalates from there as she later sees the hunters and confronts them about it. She tries to get the police involved. The police don't do anything and she finds out the corruption within the police of this you know city that she has moved or little town that she has moved to as well as how everything works with everybody being connected in different ways that basically pushes her out of what her comfort zone is hmm yeah um yeah dude i mean you yeah like uh you know, people remember our Sundance episode where we recapped everything. I mean, I told you then, dude, like this was like this. See, this is the kind of movie you want to see at Sundance and you want to see just any day to me. I feel mm-hmm. like this was a great slow burn movie. Like when you have movies that, ha- that are slow burning, two things could either keep you into it, the plot or the character. This one had both to me. I wanted to know what was going to happen between this professor and these hunters and I want to know more about this professor because she's so mysterious. She's so enigmatic in the beginning. We know she's going through a lot, the loss of her mother. So she's dealing with grief, but I want to know about her history. And man, did the film pay off with both, dude. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, we'll, we'll get to the final shot, but by the time it barrels up to the final shot, dude, I, my, my eyes were glued to the TV. Like this was this this was such a great movie to me and seeing it the second time around, I'm just picking more and more pieces out in this construction and how it frames the story that uh, I, I got way more appreciation for it. But, um, man, where should we start, dude? I, I think this movie has it has so many great levels to it, bro. But I, I want you to talk and tell me what, what you your initial thoughts of this. So my initial thoughts of this is basically I absolutely love how she feels like she's the outsider in this small town that she just came to because she absolutely is. There's an entire world that's been working here that she hasn't been a part of. And she comes in and she tries to push her ideals into it and they just bounce right back at her. Uh, Just going based on like the school drama that she's dealing with alone is, you know, with all the teachers and everything like that, she's trying to get a little bit more diversity on the staff there and everything. And it, it bounces back at her and basically goes, well, we tried, but we're not trying to fill a quota. You know, we're, right. we're doing what we can, but we're 
hiring who's qualified and stuff. And she's like, it's not about filling a quota. It's about filling a need, you know, mm-hmm. and going through that, talking with some of the other teachers and everything. And most of them are just going, you're trying to upset the status quo here. You're trying to do stuff that doesn't need to be done here. We work here as well as we do, you know, stop trying to interfere with it. And one professor is actually on her side Mm -hmm. until she kind of last minute switches her vote. Like I, I can't go against the majority. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and I love that little look between her where she's kind of avoiding her gaze that kind of like looks up at her last minute. Like, I can't, I can't avoid, I can't go against the majority. Right. You know? Yeah, man. I, I love that. I love how on one level there's that. And then there's the story of nature between her and the hunters. Mm-hmm. So you, you got, you got Nathan and you have Samuel. Nathan seems like there's more, there's, there's more humanity to his character where they're, they're all hunters. They're both hunters. Um, Sandra's a different type of hunter, as we learn later on. Uh, but, you know, you know, Nathan has a little bit more complexity to his character where Samuel just seems straight animal. Yeah. You know, straight, straight, uncaged animal. Um, we, yeah. we, Samuel is basically the douchebag hunter from every kind of like sitcom or animated show that you see where you're just like hunter bad hunter evil that's him 100 percent. he is literally the embodiment of that and he's proud of it because he realizes he's being a dick but he's proud of the fact that he feels that he's more masculine because of it he feels like he can easily control the situation and the moments where he loses control are hilarious because he doesn't know what to do until, you know, because there's the moment where uh, she approaches them after they had uh, hunted on her property again and they had mm-hmm. killed a baby deer. And she, you know, claps back. Oh, you must feel so proud of yourself. You killed a baby deer, you know. And he makes some remark about wanting to get the mother next and she smacks him and he doesn't know what to say until she turns around and is like back at her car. He well, what he what he does is and what leads up to this is there three key encounters between her and um, and Samuel that are important. The first one, she approaches the guys first time on her property and she's like, guys, could you not park here? Like, like, I, 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 this is my property. You know, I just don't want you parking here to go hunt. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Nathan goes like, oh, well, where else are we supposed to do it? And, you know, it's a little tense, a little tense. And then Samuel in the back smoking goes, uh, you know, I heard about you. And he's about to walk up on her until Nathan kind of stops him and goes, listen, let's just let's just go. You don't know what he's about to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like, why even why are you even approaching a woman like that as a man? Second attempt. See, and I love this little moment she has with Nathan alone. We can talk about that later. But I like how she goes to Samuel's house. And she tries to reason with him. She's like, dude, why are you like this? Like, what made you this way? Just talking to him on a human level. Mm-hmm. Instead, he makes it a very predatory sexual moment and goes, why don't you come in here? Let's, let's, let's have a little chat. I know what you want. Yeah. And naturally, she backs up and is terrified, not terrified, but wary of this guy. And he follows her all the way to the car and, you know, she drives off. So all, So two of those moments up to this moment where he's talking with um, uh, his brother, Nathan, and the douchey professor uh, and saying like, uh, yeah, you know, I tell you, she come over to my place and then walking up on Sandra again saying, uh, yeah, she uh, she wanted a little something, something for me. There there you deserve a smack. Oh, you, okay, you deserve yeah. the smack. So so it was building up. It ain't like she just smacked him uh, without without reason. Right. It, but his reaction to it and everything is he didn't know how to what to do after she right. smacked him. And it wasn't He's until. Scared. Yeah, it, it it freaked him out. And he doesn't say anything until she's like back at her car. And he's like, yeah, that's right. You you better leave. And it's like it's such a facade of masculinity that he just hopes that nobody challenges him. But he acts all tough during all other points. Yeah, man. Again, like the film works on so many levels. Like there, there's the level of within her, within her, um, uh, her, her academia career, and a little bit with the hunters too. There's the level of of racism. There's mm-hmm. the level of sexism. Oh yeah, between her and um, Samuel. And then there's the side plot with the professor 
inappropriately having uh, his assistant rub lotion on him. You got that. You got a uh, um, got masculinity. You got nature. Like did, like here's this is how you take a winter neo western and have so many um, encroach. You have so many themes intercrossing with each other without pandering. Right. Like everything in this film comes off natural. It doesn't come off like the director is saying, hey, you better look at this. This means something. Hmm. No, it's like you either catch it or you catch it on the second or, or repeated viewing. Um, and I like how not everybody, not everybody is two dimensional. Samuel's a dick, mm-hmm. but it doesn't justify his character. There's a reason why he is what he is. But you, you start to call and learn why he is a dick. You know, you got you got their mother. Who um, I forgot what Nathan said when they were in the church together, him and Sandra. But he said something about um, him and Sandra both coming from a place where like their parents were like like firm in their belief in God, mm-hmm. but it's like their actions didn't quite match the divinity they were looking for. So then it made their children wary of that divinity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I, I love how that scene plays out where she appears at the church and you know. Uh, Nathan sees her there and is like, what are you doing here? What are you trying to start? And she's like, I'm not trying to start anything. You know, I'm coming to this church because I have the same faith. I have this belief in this system because my parents raised me with this belief. And I just want to try and create a common ground. You know, I'm a person. You're a person. We should be able to work this out. And you kind of see it with uh, Nathan that he he wants to, you know, he doesn't want to cause trouble. He's not trying to, you know, stand on her property and make a big scene of it. He just he's a hunter. He wants to go hunting. And it just so happens that her place was, you know, one of the places that was close. Uh, He later is able to use her neighbors and he kind of hopes that that would be the end of it. But it, it it doesn't, you know, that that's not the end of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But from his perspective, he's trying to do the best that he can to, you know, make everything right on his side while staying true to himself without giving up who he is uh, because of, you know, Sanders wants in this situation. So it, they kind of have that understanding and everything. And even when they're confronted later, uh, he has that kind of look of, you know, I, I'm not trying to cause anything here. I just, th- this is what we do. And it, it is how it is. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying in that. And um, I want oh, I want to touch on the sheriff uh, character, because this is a character who, in the beginning, I didn't know what to think about Gus. But as the film goes on, I start to like him a little more, you know, and in the beginning, I feel like, okay, this is a guy that's kind of like, he's brushing off Sandra. He's like, miss, if you have a problem with these guys, don't live here. You're in the middle of nowhere, and, and we don't have many officers to keep you safe, generally. He's keeping it real with her. So, like, yeah. if you don't like it, move. Well, yeah, he even makes a kind of, you know, uh, right now I'm interim sheriff. Our actual sheriff's off duty right now. I have right. one guy on this case, another person that's on vacation, and one person that's, you know, laid off indefinitely, which kind of like leads into the fact that there's a lot of corruption within their small town kind of police force that we find out more about as the, you know, she goes along with him. And mm-hmm. one of those points being to the hardware store where uh, I think Nathan works at. And, you know, uh, the sheriff comes in and is like, what are you doing here? You know, and there's this tense moment where you can tell that they have history with each other that, you know, uh, Nathan wants nothing to do with the police. Right, and right. she he sees that Sandra's with them and is like, is she what's she telling you? You know, we were just out hunting, we're not trying to make trouble. What are you trying to do? You trying to, you know, kill somebody else? And referring to the fact that the previous sheriff had killed her their father, I believe it was. Um, I believe he he I think he I think he shot his brother or something like that. I, I forgot what it was, but one yeah. of the guys who are there where they're trying to find Samuel. Um, they all walk up with, you know, masks, bandanas on, like just showing their eyes, trying to reveal, hide their faces. 
And I like how tense it goes. And this leads to Sandra's character development of us learning more about our history, where she expertly diffuses the situation because Gus is like, hey, hey, uh, he takes his gun out. The guy's like, why'd you take your gun out your holster? He was like, everyone just calm down. You're going to shoot somebody else? Is that what you're here to do? Yeah. Right. And he's like, everyone put down the saws. And again, you don't know where this is going to go, like in Wind River. And Sandra comes in like, hey, listen, all right, uh, the, the, the guy that shot your people, uh, you know where he is? I don't know. He's probably out uh, taking a vacation or something. Okay, well, it wasn't him. You know, like, like I understand why you're mad. We're just, we're just here for such and such and such and such. And it gets diffused, and they're able to just kind of leave. Leave without knowing where Samuel is, even though we see him standing right there. But mm. they get to leave alive, you know. And I like how if you don't pay attention um, – there's a moment earlier in the film, and you you might have noticed that I didn't notice in my first watch where she she goes to look for something, and I I don't know if it's like a flashlight or something, but you see her open up a box and you see in it it says police academy or something like that. Yes, uh, that was when she was going for the tool when uh, she found them on their property on her property the second time, and she went to for the tool the to car. be able to break into the car so she could put it in neutral and literally towed it off of the property. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't notice that the first time, um, but I like how the film gives subtle clues, including that to know that she she to tell you she was once a cop. Like mm. I like how when the cop comes over there, she goes, "Okay, I have all this stuff bagged here, so you can figure out who these guys are and stuff like that." He goes, "Wow, you did all this, huh?" Like I like. <laughs> I also like how he basically goes, "Yeah, it, it was useless. I know exactly who you're talking about." <laughs> right, and um, I like how later on in the party. Um, they they have like a nice discussion and you know and uh, he goes like uh so like, you used to be a cop didn't you she was like yeah and I like how she tells her heartbreaking story because this explains all the interludes of the water and the flooding and stuff which at first I didn't quite understand I'm like it's not raining where she is mm-hmm. but I, I I understood through her story where she was like look I used to live in New Orleans with my with my mother and Hurricane Katrina happened and I tried to tell her before it happened let's move. And she says, no, God, this is my this is my this is my house this is my home. I'm not leaving. And she had to go back and get her mother out of Thunderdome. And she explains the reason she quit being a cop is because she felt like they they failed as a police force when that event happened. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's regret. You know, it's regret that's now mixed with grief of her losing her mama after she had to go and get her out the Superdome to bring her with her. Um, because she said her mom didn't like it up there, right? In in, in yeah. Wyoming. Yeah, yeah, her her mother wasn't happy having left uh you know New Orleans. Right, right. So that's that's why she quit the force. And I like how it just it, it, it just makes everything just makes sense as the film goes on once we hear that backstory of why she is how how why she is how she is. Mm-hmm. Why how and this is a very complicated moment in the film where it, you're not wrong for siding with either person. Uh, whether it's her or the, or the TA, where um, she tells the TA, and this is after her, um, her her confrontation with the professor, after she goes, listen, you, you said we were going to try to make it more diverse. Like, what's all this quota stuff you're saying? Mm-hmm. He's like, listen, I, it is what it is. We made the vote. It, it's finished. She says, but I, I thought you wanted to make it more diverse. And they get into a little bit of a shouting match. And he he, he says that very douchey line at the end, like, well, we hired you, didn't we? Yeah. You know, and then she just runs off. It before she before she walks off, she says, "Uh, oh hey, uh, uh, I hear you've been having back problems." Kind of giving him the 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 um, kind of giving him the notion that she knows what the inappropriate thing he asked his TA to do. Mm-hmm. And I like how there's this key moment where she comes up to the TA and she goes, "Listen, we're gonna report this guy right now." And the TA is like, "What? No, I want to keep my job. You know how long? I, you know how hard I worked to get here." She's like, you don't have to stand for this. She goes, that's not your decision to uh to 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 expose something that I told you in private. It's my yeah. decision to expose that. Yeah, this is my life. I didn't give you that information so you could ruin my life on top of his. Because more than anything, it's not going to ruin his life. It's going to ruin my life, and you don't have the authority to make that choice. And I like that moment because it's not an easy answer to to ask yourself of who you side with because you know Sandra's not wrong for wanting to go tell on him mm-hmm. 
But the TA is not wrong for saying, listen, don't tell anyone. I, I, I could lose my job off this. He won't get punished. I will, like you just said. So it, it, it makes for a great complex situation. It also shows like the situation with Sandra because she's not doing this because she believes it's the right thing to do. She's doing it more as here's an opportunity to get revenge on him for something I have dirt on him for. So it's it's the right thing to do, but she's going about the wrong reason for doing it. I feel like that's well, I think it's both. I think it can be both. She looks at it as the right thing, but. It's also doing that one final twist in the end, too, on her side, because she's dealing with microaggressions and living in a place where her voice isn't isn't being heard as much as she'd like it to. The the voices aren't as diverse as she'd like them to be. Mm -hmm. Like, I I feel like it is the right. Remember, she used to be a cop. It is the right thing to do. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to do. It is the right thing to do. But she wants to do it for the wrong reason. I think it's both. I think she wants to do it for the right reason that it's the right thing to do. Because even when she first tells her, she goes, you know, you don't have to you don't have to deal with that. And the, and the T.A. goes, it's it, it, it's fine. And, you know, she's kind of hunched over. Mm-hmm. Any cop in that situation would go, this needs to be exposed now, not because I want to expose it, but because I, I want it has to be exposed. I think she has that reason in the back of her mind. But in that moment, it's also what you're saying. I think it can be both things. It's for a right reason and a wrong reason in my yeah. mind. It's down to interpretation. That, that's how great this movie is. It, it, it could be argued either way. Um, but man, I, uh, dude, I want to talk about that climax, man. Uh, oh, it, it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, it is. It, the way that it starts off with her, you know, starting to go to the bar where she sees uh, both of the hunters as well as her neighbor and uh, the, you know, teacher that's been giving her all these problems and everything that mm-hmm. is her neighbor and she's had she pulls a gun from her pocket and she trembles a bit and then she decides not to do it and she throws the gun off she grabs the deer that they had recently hunted from the back of their pickup truck puts it in her car drives back to her property and goes to bury it Meanwhile, the hunter gathers all of their friends and everything, and they basically come onto her property. No, I think she took their car. She she uh, she took their car with the deer in it. No, I'm pretty sure that they she took her car because they had a red truck, right? Yeah, they had the red truck. I could have swore I saw her getting the red truck with the deer in the back seat, and she drove off with the red truck. Maybe to, I'm to remembering the- it wrong. Uh, but either way, she brings the deer back to her house. Uh, mm. They know exactly who took it and everything like that because she's the only person that's been giving them problems. So while she's, you know, bringing the deer up to give it a proper burial and everything for being killed, uh, she has that like beautiful moment with nature where, you know, she sees the mother of the deer and, you know, she makes the eye contact and everything like that. Meanwhile, back at her place, all the hunters have come back to her place with, uh, you know, all of, I think it was Samuel's, you know, co-workers and everything are Mm -hmm. there as well. And they're wrecking her home. You know, they're knocking stuff over and everything. And you can kind of see in the background when she's like burying the deer, like this light in the distance. And Mm -hmm. then it finally cuts to her place and the place is on fire. It's in it's, flames. Yeah, it's burning down. Now let's let's reveal what happened all before this. They they John Wicked her man. They killed the dog. Yeah, they killed the dog. They they. That's probably the, one of the most uh, number one unforgivable sins in the movie. You killed the dog, man. Yeah. No one cares about the cat. You killed the dog. Right. You know, people laugh when the cat dies. You know, it's got right. eight more lives. It's fine. But you killed the dog. You you screwed up. You screwed up. And and in my mind, they don't know that she's burying the deer. I feel like in my mind, they kind of thought she was in the house. So, yeah, they definitely thought that she was in the house, which right. adds another level of, you know, fucked up notes to it when they're burning right. the house down and Samuel's sitting there laughing. He's having the time of his life. Uh, you can see Nathan kind of like he's not happy with how the situation is unfolding. He He's yeah, not happy not. to be there. 
and he eventually just grabs uh, his brother and literally he punches him once and he's like holding his fist out to do it again, just yelling into him. Right. Just yelling at him. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's the it's the animal nature. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And the professor yeah, not just, yelling words, just like, ah, just literally like bottom of the bowels kind of. Right. It's it, it's animal. It's 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 animal nature versus grace. Mm-hmm. Sandra has the grace. Nathan and Samuel are the animals and the professor, too. Um, and dude, when I tell you, bro, uh, dude, that final shot, that long tracking final oh, shot, man. God, I loved it so much. When I was watching it um, in, in the festival, in the living room, I was watching it. Um, all my wife could hear was me saying, oh, shit. Like, cause I didn't expect it. Cause I, you, you know, something's happening. Cause the, the camera is, is zooming in on the door. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going in, they're, they're having a beer or whatever, you know, you see Nathan just kind of sit outside for a minute, reflecting on what's happening. You could tell he feels bad. Then he goes inside and joins his brother, Samuel. All of a sudden you hear a car pull up. You see Sandra walk in the house with shotgun in her hand. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom. Wait, wait, wait. Boom, boom. Bruh. Yeah. All this while the close up is just going slowly closer to the house. All this is going on and it reaches peak of just getting to the doorway where you can see just the porch and the doorway as she comes out and it's just standing on her face for a while. And she's like trying to come down from what just happened. You know, she literally just walked in and killed these two people. And it, takes the beer, pops the cap. I think it was already popped. No, she pops beer. the cap. You you can hear it and everything. Oh, okay. Because she yeah. drinks the entire thing in just like one go. Yeah, she just takes a swig. And uh, I remember when the film just kind of, um, I think it cut to black, not faded to black. Uh, yeah. I was like, man, that's how you shoot an ending. That's how you shoot an ending. It's such a beautiful shot. Like, it, yes. As a shot in any movie, it, anywhere, at any point in time for the movie, absolutely gorgeous shot, perfect framing for it. You know, you, you don't need any words for it. You know exactly what's happening. You have the tension of what's going to happen. And it, it's just, it comes together so well. And it, for it to be the ending of the movie where it just cuts to black from there, it's just the cherry on top where you're just like, oh, oh, I love it. See, and that's, that's, that's the brilliance of a slow burn done well. Mm-hmm. Because when you got a slow burn that kind of goes slow and then the climax is a little slow, it's like, okay, you don't, like I said, one or two things can keep you engaged, the character and the plot. This one had both. And yeah, dude, it's such a satisfying ending. You know what I'm saying? Because you like this main character has gone through so much on two le- levels, in her personal life and in her work life. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You got, you got grief got you got these 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 um encroaching intruders that are coming in on her both physical and metaphysical and you have her work life where she's already marginalized and it, it, it's just that release man like and i i just love it dude i loved it and um yeah dude uh and dude thandawi newton man oh she was so great in this movie like it, this this was a great leading role for her Oh, absolutely. She knocked it out of the park. Everybody in this movie knocked it out of the park. But as like oh, yeah. the leading the character, cast. she held this movie together because, like we said, it's a slow burn movie, which is very hard to keep people's attention on. And yeah. her acting pulled it off 100% for this character. You need the right crucial actor to make the right emotions, to show the right emotions. And, and she did just a great job. Like her, her her face was like an enigmatic landscape of you didn't know where she was going, what she was thinking. But you knew the emotions that was ranging through her face, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, yeah, dude, like this, this was a re- there was a reason this was my favorite film at Sundance. I just loved the way it was executed. Um, and I told you when I saw it, I said, Brad, you gotta see God's country. Oh yeah. I, I remember it was still on my list and everything. And then when you texted me, Hey, it's on street or not straight, it's on digital now. I was like, okay, <laughs> let's do yeah. an episode. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, yeah, I gotta give this to five too. I, I, I love this movie. Uh, this one's an easy five. Yeah, man. I, uh, 
Yeah, this is a great movie, dude. Uh, okay, so when it comes down to it, you you got God, you got GC right. You got God's oh yeah, country. God's country wins out on this one for me. It's hard for me because Wind River is so tightly constructed too, in its own way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, they both take like the same kind of like environment and scenario and like feelings but in different directions with different tensions on different points of it. All right. I gotta, I think I, I, I got, I gotta throw a surprise haymaker here, man. I think because like, it's so tightly constructed and like no lows, even though God's country has an excuse for its lows. I gotta say wind river. Really? Okay. Slight, slight edge to wind river. Okay. Just cause I just think it just got everything and it's so short and sweet in god's country takes a while for you to unfurl what's going on that doesn't make it less of a film i just think wind river hits instantly the first time you watch it uh if you're not seeing it in the afternoon and feeling sleepy like i was but uh yeah slight edge to wind river but god's country's up there man that wasn't an easy decision for me to make okay fair fair uh yeah to me it was it was a no-brainer on god's country it just everything about that movie i loved mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I told you. It told you it'd be be a great film and uh, easily one of my best of 2022. I ain't gonna say it's the best. We still gotta compile our list, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it it's on that list. Uh, speaking of which, man, what you been seeing lately? Uh, lately this week, uh, nothing much for movies. But I finally started House of the Dragon for the Game of Thrones spinoff. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot of good things. It did. Is it good? Uh, it, it's decent. I'm about three episodes into it so far, and it's it's holding my attention right now. Um, okay. But it's it's not bringing back... Like, I know a lot of people were like, oh my god, Game of Thrones is back. I haven't gotten that feeling yet. But I'm going through and I'm liking, it's good. You know? But it's no. not like bringing that hype that Game of Thrones brought before. Does it have like that, that initial Better Call Saul feel where it's like, okay, it's not BB... But it's it's its own thing. Um, it, a little bit. I wouldn't use that comparison. It, it's more of like a very closely written to Game of Thrones, like the same style and everything. Where like Breaking Bad, it was like a drug empire kind of show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Better Call Saul was more of a lawyer show, and it just mm-hmm. happens they take place in the same thing. This one feels like it's a Game of Thrones sequel prequel whatever you want to call it because it's a prequel but it feels like a follow-up to game of thrones and giving more backstory to these characters that you hear about very lightly okay uh all right all right well so eh, okay i guess i have to experience it for myself to understand but um okay so you're saying it's decent it's decent if it wasn't for the fact that game of thrones was so big i i don't know if this would stand up on its own where like better call Saul was a great series you know take away breaking bad and all that better call Saul was absolutely fantastic this one I don't know if it would stand up the same if Game of Thrones didn't exist before it okay okay well I'll uh I'll wait for you to watch a little bit more and tell me how you feel I mean I plan to watch it one day I'm just not in a rush um what what made you finally get over the hump and get into it uh, I was looking for something to kind of like put on when I had like a little bit of time between uh, leaving the house and getting some stuff done. And I was like, you know what? It's it's literally sitting right there on HBO Max. I can just hit play. And that's what I did. I watched an episode and I was like, OK. And then when I was later going, OK, I can watch something else. It was like episode two. It was like, well, I already started. I might as well, you know, watch another episode. Let me tell you something, man. I had the same experience, but uh, I got really hooked. Um, there's a docu there's a docudrama series on HBO called The Vow, uh, and it's about these people who were in this cult called Nexum. Uh, it, it's called it's spelled like N X V I V M, whatever, something like some kind of weird spelling. But um, it was a cult designed to be like a uh, you know like a like a a, a self help type of place led by this guru. You know how these things go. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it turned out to be deeply was like a, a, a very harrowing, like sex trafficking cult. Um, and I mean, trafficking is like not like selling off girls, but like 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 branding and stuff like that. 
Um, and it was, uh, man, it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty intense. And it, I like how the plot slowly unfurls as it goes on. Like it, it it's really good. Um, you know who was involved with it? I never watched Smallville, but uh, you know the actress Allison Mack. Yeah, she was involved in it. Oh, she was so involved. she's in it, or she's involved in the production? She's involved in the cult. Oh, okay. Yeah, and she, um, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't want to ruin much for you, but she was involved in the cult, and uh, yeah, it's hmm. pretty interesting how how things go down, man. It's uh, it's a very interesting docu series that just had me hooked. Uh, I think it was a little too long for a season. It's in its second season now because some of the people are on trial now and th- there's a sentencing thing going on. Or I think that might have already happened in real life, but the second season is covering that and uh, it's, it's keeping me engaged. Well, the um, second season is covering it. It must have already happened. You know. Yeah, that's what I'm I, saying. Yeah, Assuming that they're not you know, filming it in real time and just have people, no, no, they said this in the courtroom. Go ahead, write it on the script. Let's get it on the teleprompter. Let's get it. <laughs> we got to record this now. The episode's going out tomorrow. Well, they're talking to members who used to be in the cult. Oh, okay. And pe- people who are talking about like, oh, man, like I never noticed that things like this was going on and this was horrible and stuff like that. And like, like you, you, you kind of show how when you're in that mindset, you're of that mindset. No one can kind of talk you out of it. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with what I'm involved with. Oh, this is nothing. This is just this. And then when you kind of step outside yourself, you go, oh, my goodness, I was involved in this. You know, It's I mean? the manipulation of feeling like you're part of something special. That's how they get people. Right. Yeah. So there's that. And uh, two films I saw for the first time on the big screen, dude. Uh, Lyle, Lyle, a- Crocodile. I said for the first time. Oh, first time. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I saw uh, I saw Trick or Treat. It's this um, Trick or Treat is what it's called. Uh, it's like this this classic Halloween movie. Um, pretty decent, nice anthology horror film. I thought it was pretty decent, but um, I saw The Lost Boys for the first time. For the first time. The first time, bro. Really? Okay. Yeah, and it, it was it was on the big screen. AMC brought it back to the th- brought it to theaters. Uh, I gotta say, man, first time watched, I loved it, man. Yeah, that's a classic. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. I, I'm trying to remember when I first saw that one, but yeah, it was years ago. My mom always had it on DVD. I just never watched it. I think one day I was about to start it, but then I got sidetracked. Um, but yeah, man, I liked it, man. For an '80s film, it flowed pretty well. Mm-hmm. It was a nice kind of nice kind of level of campy. You know, I liked the two Corys. I thought they were pretty good in it. Um, yeah, I thought that was a solid movie. I enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, I, w- I would definitely watch it again. But uh, a new movie I saw was uh, Ticket to Paradise with George Clooney and Julia Roberts. How is that one? Because based on the trailers, it just looks like they're the ones holding that movie together. And the plot is just so bare bones TV tropiness that... Look, it, it, it's all of those things, but it, it's still it's still funny. OK, uh, it, 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 there's a you know, it's George Clooney and Julia Roberts. They got great chemistry. Right. We've seen this in many films, um, but it's funny. You know, it's an enjoyable romantic comedy. It's run of the mill, but it's enjoyable. Like George and Julia, I don't want to say they carry it, but they are the movie. And it's not mm-hmm. a bad thing that they are the movie. Um, they, they carry the. uh uh, uh, dueling ex-couple roles very well. It's it's funny, it's fun, and um, you know it is predictable how things end. But it's like uh, you don't mind it. It's 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 a pretty humorous movie. I would give it, I give it a solid three out of five. I think okay. it's solid. Yeah, I, I think it's you know if you, if you go in there for a date night or you know uh, just just want to see a nice good rom com, I'd see it. Like it's, it's my wife had a good time. I had a good time. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so that's basically it on my plate. I heard that Black Adam's doing well. Oh, you didn't see that? I thought you were geeked for that. Um, I, I was, and then I just, you know, I, I missed the day of release, which was Thursday and everything like that, because I had mm-hmm. other things going on. And by that point, I heard people just going, "Yeah, this one's it's it's not good." And I was like, ah, oh, really? Okay, well, how long is the movie? Two and a half hours? Okay, well, two and a half hours of my day <laughs> for something that might not even be worth it. 
and is just another standard run-of-the-mill superhero movie with, you know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, which we know how all of his movies already go. And it's like, oh, well, do I want to... You know what? I'd, I'd rather do different things and put my time elsewhere. Yeah, I'm kind of superhero burnt out, man. I mean, outside of Black Panther 2, I ain't looking forward to much. See, uh, I'm not superhero burnt out. I'm burnt out on predictability, when it comes to movies, like if hmm. I can watch the trailer and go, I know exactly how this is going to go. It's not worth my time to, you know, drive to a movie theater, you know, go in, watch all the previews, you know, sit there, pay $25 so I can get a drink, you know, and three pieces of popcorn and, you know, and then this have to drive home. This isn't worth the preparation. Right. This it's, isn't worth the preparation. It's not worth the time, the preparation or the money, in my opinion. And so for a lot of these, it's like, if I don't see a day one, chances are I'm probably not going to catch it in theaters. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> Listen, man, I'll say this. Looking at the trailer of Black Panther, kind of forever, I don't have a good idea what's going to happen in that movie. And I think that's smart. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I know that T'Challa is gone. I don't. And I noticed some new new characters coming in, uh, you know, and Sherry is stepping up to do something big. I don't know what's going to happen. And I like that avatar the way of water all i know is um family is uh, everything <laughs> yeah 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 uh, uh, it, um what did he say uh, there's one thing I, there's one thing i know this family is our fortress that's all i know that the family is the fortress that's all Which, i need to know if he, there isn't a physical fortress made of his family in this movie i'm gonna be very disappointed <laughs> i don't need to know much except that i was like okay family fortress uh, that's like when you watch a Fast and Furious trailer. Okay, uh, family. Right. Right. All right, let's go, Vin Diesel. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you don't tell the whole movie to me in a trailer, I'm okay with that. So yeah, the Black Adam thing. I think unless you're a super rock fan, I mean, I, I'm not gonna judge something I haven't seen, but I it, it didn't. I'm superhero burnt out, man. I'm just uh, burnt out. Yeah, it's it. It was one of those ones that I was like, oh, I'm excited for this because Black Adam is a very interesting character in the comics. Mm-hmm. And when they were like, we're going to put the rock in for that role, I was like, okay, that that could work out. And, mm-hmm. you know, in leading up to it, the rock was like, oh, yeah, this is like a movie I've never done before. And then everybody walking out of the movies was like, yeah, that was exactly what the Dwayne Rock Johnson has done before. It was like, God damn it. <laughs> This, yeah. this is the one thing I wanted. Right, right. But yeah, it's speaking on like uh, the Black Panther movie. Uh, I'm excited because Namor is a great character and a very important one when it comes to Marvel Comics. Uh, we're mm. getting the introduction of Riri uh, as Ironheart, who had a very rocky beginning in the comics, but leveled out to her own character. So I hope that they learn from that Rocky start in the comics and can start her off in a clean way in the MCU. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's a lot going on that movie that I'm excited for. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right, man. All right, y'all. Uh, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, uh, engage with us. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, which movie you think wins out of on this. Um, uh, take care. Have a great one.